throughout my life, I've lived through two economic recessions and one great recession. Also in my lifetime, the income disparity between the haves and the have-nots has skyrocketed to a statistical level not seen since the 19-fucking-20s. A billionaire is the leader of the free world, corporations are under the law, technically people, and every family slash group on television and in media is somehow financially stable and whimsical at the same time. Where are the beaten and broken anymore? Where's the voice of the Rust Belt, or the migrant workers, or even the fucking working poor? On, on this episode, we talk about the genius, the balls, and the bravery of a Utah white trash Jew who, in her own words... You know what? I do what I want to do. I'm so lucky. I do it when I want to do it, and I do it the way I want to do it. Kind of kiss nobody's ass, because I'm a comic. I have to spit in their eyes, so when I get up there, I mean, they don't never invite me back again, but fuck, that's how it is. TF podcast podcast why am i singing we just had my theme song play right before this hi how you doing you're back we're back hey we're on a regular basis now look at us motherfucker it's the dtf podcast with me sam norton your uh your your trusty know-it-all and uh fan of all things comedy i'm glad you're here with us and by that i mean me and Ryan Walker on the ones and twos all the way across the world in ch 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 China. So yeah, we're going to be talking about Roseanne, the TV show slash comedian today. Uh, one of my favorite like childhood sitcoms, and I've been watching it lately on Amazon doing research for this. And you know what? Surprisingly to me, it fucking holds up. Okay? I don't care what you say. Yeah, sitcom's a little outdated, but you know what? Some of them fucking hold up, all right? And one of them we're going to be talking about today, which is Roseanne. Now, before we get into the actual show, I want to talk to you quickly about what I like about Roseanne, the person slash comedian. Like, Roseanne, to me, is the ideal comic, uh, and specifically more uh, the ideal female comedian to me, which is just a badass bitch. Uh, and by that I mean... Reminds me a lot of my mom. My mom is a true inspiration to basically everybody in my family. She uh, she had two kids, went through a divorce, uh, was a single mother for a while. Then she put herself through college, met my dad. Then she went back to graduate school and got her goddamn doctorate. Now she's the dean of adult education at a state university. Like She really is the epitome of what a badass woman in a kind of post-second-wave uh, feminism America is to me, right? And by that, I basically, I'm just saying, like, she really did pull herself up by her bootstraps and said, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And my mom just doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks. And I get a lot of my personality from her in that way. I get the kinding, kind of charming, glad-handing, always-have-a-story side from my dad, but the uh, I don't suffer fools at all like my mom kind of that bite, biting sarcasm and wit so Roseanne as a person and in interviews and as a comedian very much reminds me of uh, of my mom and she just like what I like about her on stage persona and her character on the show and even her through interviews she just has a really go fuck yourself attitude and it's and it's not a go-fuck-yourself attitude in a negative way. It's, it's the way I respect, which is saying piss off by being confrontational but not condescending, right? That, to me, I think that's a, a huge distinction. Like she, like, it's a distinction of knowing your worth but not thinking that you're better. Also knowing 
for her as a comedian, knowing that, especially in this industry, she knew and was confident in nine out of ten times being the funniest one in the room, but respecting other people's opinions at the same time. And above all, I, I from stories I've heard and in interviews, uh, and even through... Uh, knowing the cast over the years, she, above all, respected loyalty, which is something I identify with 100%, especially in this business. All of the work I've ever gotten, I've gotten booked back because of my talents, but the only reason I've ever gotten work is because of the loyalty of my friends and co-workers saying and vouching for me and saying, this guy's good people, right? It's, it's like good fellas. We were all good fellas. This is a good guy. I vouch for him. And Roseanne was 100% like that. All of her husbands, this may be nepotism, but I respect this. All of her husbands, she had three husbands over the course of the whole show. All three of them either had recurring roles or had cameos. She basically gave her husbands work to be like, hey, here's my show. I'll put you in. Here's a cameo. Here's a recurring role. Amazing. Amazing loyalty. Uh, her comic friends were also given roles. There was a whole laundry list of comedians that did cameos and pop-ins that she allowed to be on one of the biggest shows of that decade. It, it was number one in the Nelson ratings for eight out of its ten years. All right? It was getting something like 30 million people. I don't know if it was 30. Something around there. Like a week, which is crazy. You, you're not going to get that anymore. You'd be lucky to get two million views per episode. I mean, you look at any YouTube channel, it's like most of the time, like huge ones are getting two million. She was getting 30, uh, I think it's 30 million views per episode. Uh, some of the roles that she gave out, uh, Ellen DeGeneres was, uh, I believe, a therapist uh, for a while. Sandra Bernhardt was her best friend, Nancy. Even her own grandmother was her great-grandmother in the show, right? Uh, her great, her grandma kind of was her actual grandma from real life. She looked like a lot like uh, Louis Anderson from the movie, or from uh, his new show, uh, The Desperates, I think it's called. Doesn't matter. Anyways, she, she showed loyalty to those she loved and respected. And for that, as a comedian, uh, I, I find even more so... Uh, that's another level of what I think a comedian should be. Funny, hilarious, sticks to their guns, knows their worth, knows they're the funniest person in the room nine out of ten times, has a go-fuck-yourself attitude, and is loyal to those who helped get them there. You start the mentorship process all over again. Nobody gets in this business, especially in comedy, nobody gets in this business and makes it anywhere without the help of others, and I, I fully respect her. And I'm going to play a clip real quick to show what I mean by just stories outside of her telling them. Stories of people around her that appreciate that she's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Here's my loyalty to this person. Now, this is a story uh, from an interview recently of Lacey, who played uh, Becky, which is her daughter in the show. Whenever she was a kid, she'll explain the show, but whenever she was a kid, she was on the set being a regular kid, regular 13-year-old girl, and this story happened. So we'll be right back. I begged the producers, I said, because I had long blonde hair at the time, and I said, I really want to cut my hair short. And they said, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, Lisey, you know? And I said, well, why not? And they said, well, 17-year-old girls from Illinois, I don't think have short hair, you know, high school girls. And I said, well, that's kind of ironic because I am a 17-year-old girl from Illinois. So maybe I, I would know. Roseanne looks over at me and she says, Lacey, what's wrong? And I said, oh, Roseanne, I really want to cut my hair and the producers don't want me to. Roseanne takes my hair and she takes a pair of scissors and she cuts it off at the base. And she has my hair in one hand and the scissors in the other. And she says, there, now what are they gonna do? When I came downstairs with my new short do and I saw the producers, I, I just said, well, talk to Roseanne about it. You know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 
Right? Yeah, just another day on the set. All right, that was Lacey talking about uh, on the set of Roseanne when she got her hair cut, and Roseanne was just like, yeah, give me your hair. Fucking cut it. Now go tell them that they got to fix it or you're going to look like an idiot. I love that story. Fucking great story. Roseanne, badass woman. So let's move on. Now, before I get in to actually dissecting the fucking frog, I want to fully give perspective and show that I'm a real comedian and can throw my perspective inwards and say, I may be full of shit on this episode. And the fact, the fact of the matter is, I'm very nostalgic for the show. I am 31 years old. I was born in 1987. This show came out in my, basically my prime years of growing up. And it 100% is the closest thing uh, I've seen in any media that represents how I grew up, basically in the 90s. I very much relate with DJ, the youngest child. Uh, and th so I just want to say, out the gate, this, um, this show very much represents how I, how I lived uh, growing up. I grew up in Kansas. I'm the youngest of five kids in an Irish-American household. Uh, I have two older sisters, two older brothers. I'm the youngest. Uh, and so, yeah, it, the, and for all of you who don't know or who have never seen the show Roseanne, it's up on uh, Amazon Prime right now if you ever want to watch it. There's also a few episodes up on Vimeo and some clips on YouTube. They're also doing a reboot that's coming back, I believe, this week that I'm recording. So it'll be a week after uh, or a week before we put this up. They're rebooting it. But basically, the whole premise of the show, it's American television sitcom. Uh, that came out in the late 80s and went through the late 90s. Uh, it was basically, it was a show about a working class family. Roseanne was the matriarchal kind of part of the show. It was based around her real life growing, or real life kind of raising a family for a while in Utah. And all it, all it is is just the everyday mundane, mundane activities of a family called the Connors uh, growing up and living in kind of 1980s, 1990s uh, Illinois is where it's based out of. And the the whole, it's just a sit, regular sitcom setup, three camera setup. You got the, the main living room, the kitchen. They have episodes that talk about the kids going to school and then not bringing home their homework and it by just surface value the the show itself is so by the numbers and bland but it is so much fucking more than that but with that said i like to say that i do may have nostalgia goggles for it because again i relate so much with this they, they're set in illinois but i grew up in kansas but Everything from the sarcastic quips that the family does at the dinner table to the mom that says go fuck yourself basically to everybody uh, <laughs> to, uh, you know, struggling with money and trying to keep it away from the kids and the different ways they approach without shying away from real life shit, uh, whether it be either drug addiction or sex or death or spousal abuse, uh, very honest uh, depictions of that in a, you know, working class everyday family. Fuck, even down to the couch that they have, if you, if you look at uh, any pictures of them, if you look at the fucking couch of their living room, my family had two couches in our den, and one of them was that exact same fucking couch. So, again, all everything aside, I'm letting you guys know I could have rose-tinted glasses for how great this fucking show is because the nostalgia factor is so high for me, and I relate with very a lot of the minutia of the show. But I don't think that I'm wrong in what I'm about to say because... Uh, although I had similar upbringings, uh, the, the show was a great realistic depiction of life as just a broke family in America, especially at that time, but I think it even holds up now because uh, of just how shit is. Jobs are going away, 
uh, income disparity is getting higher and higher. So even the jobs that are going way, people are now having to go fucking either work retail or work at a goddamn, like factory jobs are barely around anymore, which is fine. I get that, hey, economies change, but there's been nothing that fills in the gaps. Like it, you either have to have, uh, you know, an electrical engineering de- master's degree or you're going to be working, uh, you know, retail, you know what I mean? Or th- there's just not a lot of jobs for, hey, can you train me? Corporations don't want to do that. They just say, fuck it. You get yourself massively into debt, so that way when you come work for us, you're ready. There's no, there's no like, corporations going, hey, we'll, we'll help pay for your college so you can come work for it. Yeah, they don't give a fuck, right? And so th- I, think, I feel like there's a real voice that needs to be spoken to, and I think Roseanne still does it, right? Not since uh, Sanford and Sons or One Day at a Time back in the 70s has there really been a, a voice for that type of comedy. It, 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 I feel like it's just fucking gone. Like, there's a lot of shitcoms out there now <laughs> instead of sitcoms, get it? But, the, like... All right, so perfect example. I went through three decades. I went through three goddamn decades of like the top echelon sitcoms just to see how many tackled, not poverty, but just tackled money of life. I mean, money affects everyone just as much as love, food. I mean, we all live with this shit, and yet there's so little sitcoms all right so full house family matters friends martin cosby 30 rock modern family big bang theory none of these these are all top level sitcoms none of these fucking people ever addressed money all right and if they did it was like a one-off thing fuck the office okay one of the top sitcoms of my generation had maybe eight episodes where like jim and pam were like no I don't know what we're going to do with money. And then he buys a house. He starts up a successful business. Nothing ever goes wrong. Like, what the fuck type of life is that? Nobody lives that life. I guess escapism is a thing. So I'm not saying every sitcom or show needs to address it. But I went. Th- but here's my problem. I went through three decades. And here were the only sitcoms since the early 90s. So I'm starting on, like, 1990 up until now. That's about three decades, Okay. I found four shows that are not Roseanne, so I guess five including Roseanne, that tackled poverty or money or anything like that with any respect and kind of just some <laughs> some realism behind it, okay? One was Married with Children, which was going on about the same time as uh, Roseanne. They were a lot goofier, but they still, it, that was kind of their whole thing. They were living off a shoesman, shoe salesman's salary. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle, also uh, kind of whimsical, but th- they addressed money as like an actual fucking thing. Uh, that 70s show had about two or three seasons where they were struggling with money. And Everybody Hates Chris, which kind of the whole thing was around, like, yeah, trying to make it in New York off of, uh, you know, his dad's, I think he was a plumber uh, in that show. But that, four, four out of, when I was looking, I I looked through lists of about 50 per decade, like the top 50 sitcoms per decade. So that's four shows out of a total of 150 shows minimum, all right? That's just the top ones. That's not the ones that were on for like two or three seasons. I'm talking the top fucking sitcoms out of 150 over three decades. Four fucking sitcoms addressed poverty or being broke or just struggles with money with any amount of respect and gravitas, right? Now, laughably, there are kind of ones that address it, like My Name is Earl-ish, um... (laughs) The fucking show Dinosaur. I don't know if you guys ever watched Dinosaurs in the fucking 90s, but they kind of addressed it. Out of all the shows, a fucking puppet show addresses it, kind of. 
and then two broke girls. That's the whole basis of it, but fuck that show. I hate the writers or the producers or executives. I don't know who to blame for that show. I'm not going to blame everybody. It's not, you know, somebody gets tossed up. I'm going to, I'm probably going to blame the, one of the executives that say like, oh, we need to keep it this way. But I, whoever is to blame, they seem to have never had to ever do anything that has to deal with poverty or being broke. I, I don't see anybody on that show. Really, when it says two broke girls, they're living off waitress jobs, and they have like a 4,000-square-foot apartment in the middle of New York. Who the fuck lives like that, all right? I got friends in New York. I've been there many times. Guess what? They should be living in a closet. And guess what? That actually makes it fucking funnier in the show. If every time they go home, they... You know, they're living in a one bedroom together, so they got to sleep in the same bed. There's way more comedy in that than having this big, sprawling, fucking unrealistic play. Also, you gather through all of their shows. I'm not going to shit on them too much, but I'm just making a point, okay? Through their writing, you get that nobody's ever had to eat clearance food just to get by, right? You have to go to the back where the fucking toilet toilet and the the doors to put in the milk you have to go in the back of the grocery store and find all those red labels on a shelf that's broken so half of it's on the ground and you go oh a dented can i get to save you know 50 cents on this you gathered nobody on that fucking writing staff has ever had to do that or they have and then they get censored by whoever or you gather that nobody in that fucking show has ever had to <laughs> go interview at a welfare office right before they had to go to work huh you ever had that experience fucking two broke girls producers right you ever you ever had to try to tell somebody hey i know i'm working but i'm still too broke to be able to live life because this is the way life is no they, they don't have that they just have two broke whores making hoary jokes all right here's the difference and, and that's my my biggest point of all of this this is where i'm getting trust me i know i'm ranting but i have a very amazing point which is what roseanne sticks out and it uh still holds up to me is that roseanne the show treats poverty and kind of working class people with a, a, a respect and an authenticity that I have not seen since. And that is a huge problem to me. To have no voice for about two decades now, once it's gone off the air, to have no voice for that type of person, the Rust Belt, the, the people just struggling to get by. There hasn't been an authentic voice. Whereas two broke girls, like, yeah, they're talking about the same subject, but there's no authenticity. Here is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. First clip is Roseanne talking about being poor and bills and shit. And then the second one is two broke girls just basically going for a dick joke. We'll be right back. You know, <laughs> if we're real careful with this $500, yeah. we can just about pay everything up. And that'll leave us with $11.87. You're kidding. Read it and weep, $11.87. Well, at least I can go out to dinner. Damn. I was hoping we'd have a little extra money to play around with. Well, do you want extra money? Because, you know, I have my own system for extra money. All right. <laughs> okay. First, we send in the phone bill, and we forget to sign the check. There you go. to the electric company and electric bill to the water company. Now you're cooking. And you know that charge card bill, it never even showed up. You're right, chestnut is the most important thing. But more importantly, what do you think of this vintage sweater I chose for my date with Andy? It's nice. Won't it be hard to pull off over your head in the cab? I'm assuming you'll do it in a cab. Max, it's a first date. That's not appropriate. Is it? I mean... I've never dated poor. What is acceptable on a first date? Well, I'm pretty classy, so anal? <laughs> I'm not that poor. Yeah, that was Roseanne and then two broke girls, right? And they just make like a offhanded dick joke when 
they could do a lot better, right? Here's a, sorry, I should have mentioned this before. Here's, uh, so the two broke girls of like, oh, I don't know how to be poor, just anal. All right, here's a better joke that my friend Tim McLaughlin from Chicago has done. And I think that's a better joke of what they were going for. And it's more authentic because that motherfucker's goddamn lived it. Like, I'm so dumb and poor, I'm surprised I don't have children. <laughs> That was my friend Tim. But that, the point I'm trying to make is that I think great comedy, to me, is not about, not necessarily honesty, but authenticity is the, the backbone of truly great comedy. And, it, and my point being, it doesn't need to be like earth-shattering philosophy you know what I mean? It doesn't need, always need to be Richard Pryor, right? Where Or Bill Hicks of like, I'm going to tell it how it is, right? Other great comedians uh, like Stephen Wright or Mitch Hedberg. Those guys were authentically fucking weird. and But that that's the point is they were authentic to their, their own vision, their own uh, spirit, if I can get very pretentious on this episode. <laughs> but the, the, the idea is to be authentic, whereas uh, sitcoms nowadays for whatever reason, seem to have lost the the authenticity, maybe not of funny. There are a lot of hilarious goddamn uh, sitcoms and shows out there now, uh, and they're breaking ground in their own way. But the, 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 the voice of just struggling through life with... Just regular everyday life shit, money, uh, <laughs> raising kids. I don't even have kids. Uh, 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 trying to have work, like all of this shit, seems to have just floated away into the ether, and now it is more about uh, perceived notions. A good example of this is I've watched uh, Modern Family. Um, Good show. I'm not going to knock Modern Family, but what I find lacking in it is that they struggle to... There's basically, what, three different uh, families. There's the old guy dating the younger hot chick. There's the gay couple. And then there's the kind of average nucleus family of a guy and a lady with... Uh, two or three kids something like that and so they have three different perspectives but they're all interlaced and they're all related and so they you know they can kind of hit on every genre of family but in that you lose uh, a real essence or a real authenticity to any of them right trying it's it's like the uh skilled at uh, oh what's that old saying like uh, skilled at multiple things but master of none like that's kind of how that show feels they're great at writing jokes and stuff but there's no real heart or a, a authenticity to it and I, I really find that in every fucking show even Big Bang Theory is another good example it's not a family sitcom but uh, the it what am I tra- it doesn't feel authentic I'm a fucking nerd with Big Bang Theory okay uh, and that their whole, sorry, not with Bang Bang Big Bang Theory. I'm a nerd, and with Big Bang Theory, I should be their demographic of sciency jokes and comic book jokes and shit like that. And every one of their jokes seems like it's like in the writers' room. There's a bunch of people like me that are like, oh, let's make this joke, and then some executive goes, well is a regular person gonna get it and so they gotta fucking dumb it down or they gotta make it all flap doodle and bullshit and it loses all of its authenticity whereas Roseanne because she was the show was built around her her life and she was the main uh writer uh, I think she was one of the main producers and fuck she was a stand-up comedian before that she kept that show authentic to the very fucking last episode it sub- not only was it authentic, but it subverted genres, uh, like genre stereotypes, without sacrificing the authenticity or the reality. And my example of this is that, uh, so the idea of a sitcom, right? The idea of a sitcom, especially based around a woman, was this kind of 
passive type of woman. Like, um, I, I love Lucy as a really good example. I love Lucy. I think one of the first biggest sitcoms ever based around Lucia Ball. Great sitcom, right? But it kind of had that, like, leave it to Beaver on the familyness to it where she she was the housewife who got into stuff and she did a lot of comedy but she was still this loving uh i don't want to say uh just just the passivity of that type of woman where it's like if you're a housewife this is all you do right uh leave it to beaver i guess is a, a better example than <laughs> than i love lucy because she was just a crazy netball in that show. But uh, what I'm trying to say is, all in the family, you know, you had the, the strong patriarchal bigot and then his wife, who was always, like, trying to make everything okay around it, uh, leave it to Beaver. You had, you know, the housewife who kind of made everything, you know, made a welcoming home. Whereas her reality of that situation is, yeah, she tried to keep her family afloat and keep everything going but she would also bitch and complain of like hey dan her husband like go fuck yourself like you, you know you you act like you're the only one doing work around here but i gotta get the kids up i gotta do this i also gotta work and it, it's it's a it's a breath of fresh air to have a woman fill that traditional role of being a housewife and a mother and yet still have the mindset of uh, I'm my own independent person. I I'll do what I want when I want, without shrug or you know shrugging obligations. Uh, it's a very full realized character because it's her. It's a full realized person. Um, and that's the thing. Like it doesn't sh it doesn't get away from the authenticity of her, which other shows kind of did. Like Family Matters is a perfect fucking example. If you guys ever watched the show Family Matters with Urkel back in the '90s. That crazy bullshit it went off its goddamn rocker in, like, the third or fourth season. Steve Urkel started turning into robots and having sexier clones, and the, his relationship with the dad got more and more ridiculous. I think at one point he, like, flies out of their living room in a hot air balloon or some shit. Like, and it's like, all right, well, it started off as, like, kind of this Roseanne-esque, like, working-class father on the south side of Chicago being a cop, and then by the second or third season, it just it jumped the shark for sure. Uh, Friends is another thing. Friends never kind of jumped the shark, but from the beginning, there was not a lot of authenticity. Again, a lot like Modern Family, where it's like, who the fuck are you writing this for? Who the fuck is living in New York on a coffeehouse wage in a 14,000, or, you know, 1,400 square foot apartment? Like, that doesn't exist. There's no authenticity here. It's, it's just a bunch of flapdoodle fantasy. And again, I understand that not every sitcom can be this, you know, a gritty reality type of thing. But it's like, don't, don't pretend to be so. Don't have these, you know, emotional milking moments like Full House, where it's like, oh, I gotta teach Michelle a lesson, and they bring down the music, and there's no comedy there. It's just, hey, don't be a racist. Whereas like Roseanne would still, she like, so. Roseanne, as a show, would still lean into those topics of don't be racist, but then she would still have enough comedy chops to fucking punctuate it, keep a punchline, keep the funny coming. Like, there's there's real moments of, of sincere, like, heartfelt or sincere, holy shit, this is getting deep moments but they always have a bit of levity. They always are punctuated by the punchline because it's a fucking comedy. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you'd watch something like Full House or any of these goddamn sitcoms nowadays that, you know, th they try to move in for the hugs and shit, and it's just like, all right, cool. Are we watching a goddamn drama right now? I was trying to watch some fucking funny shit. And, like, Seinfeld. Seinfeld's whole motto was a show about nothing, and then underlaid on that was no hugs and no lessons. That was their whole point. So they never had any of those sincere moments. Roseanne, Roseanne though, leaned in with the funny, right? They made a point. They had those, like, I'm going to cry moments. And then it was punctuated by a smart-ass comment or something to take them to commercial. And I'll, I'll give you – it's to me, it showcases that those two things, serious 
and hilarious are not opposites. They're complementary, right? Comedy is all about building tension. And Roseanne did this with real life shit, right? They did it with uh, talking about death. They did it by talking about, uh, you know, having the sex talk with your kids. Or even talking about, uh, you know, people coming out, which was a bigger deal in the 90s, uh, uh, which they were famous for having one of the, I think one of the first, uh, like same sex kisses on primetime TV, also reoccurring same, uh, reoccurring, uh, gay characters. So she really pushed the envelope in many ways, but again, they, they, they tackled bigger topics, but always had levity and punchlines. I have three clips. We're going to go back to back with them of showing just how good the writing was of building tension which is oh we're going into a serious point here's a little bit of a soliloquy or a monologue and then it boom goes right into a joke and you're like fuck yeah there it is that's what a goddamn sitcom is situational comedy you get yourself into a situation serious or not then you punctuate it move on great sitcom great characters uh just all around great show let's move into it get to some to some real clips this is roseanne got a problem. Not that six more of these won't cure. You know that uh, Gina girl in the play that DJ doesn't want to kiss? She's black. Oh. Yeah, so we've got to make him kiss her. Everybody will think we're a bunch of racists. DJ, get down here! Well, slow down. We don't know that's why he won't kiss her. I'm sure he's got a very good reason. I don't care what his reason is. Everybody will think it's because she's black and then I will never be able to buy sheets again. <laughs> Down. I want to ask you some questions. Okay. Your dad and I were wondering how come you don't want to kiss that girl in the play. I don't know. Well, is it because you're just not ready to kiss girls yet? No. Is she mean to you? No. Is she gross? Does she pick her nose and eat it? <laughs> Does she have bad breath? Does she have a mustache? Does she have a whole bunch of extra arms or something? Son, no matter what it is, you can tell us. Is it because she's black? It is, isn't it? Well, you'll be mad if I say yes. No, we won't. Yes, we will. <laughs> I didn't raise you to be some little bigot. I just don't want to kiss her. Hey, black people are just like us. They're every bit as good as us, and any people who don't think so is just a bunch of banjo-picking, cousin-dating, barefoot... <laughs> Embarrassments to respectable white trash like us. Mom, I pretty much already know about lesbians, and what I don't, you'd be too embarrassed to tell me. Yeah, right. Well, it's Nancy. Whoa. How'd you find out? Did she tell you? No, we saw the I'm a big old dyke bumper sticker on her car. <laughs> Nothing happened last night. I told you that. Oh, Darlene, he spent the whole night in your room. I'm not stupid. Yeah, well, neither am I. First of all, I don't want to have sex yet. And second, you think I'd do it with you 20 feet away? Why not? You could do it real quiet without us knowing about it. Really? You can't. I had to tell David you were moving furniture. That's it. I'm not making any more calls. You do the rest of the family list. I can't call people, Roseanne. Jackie, dial. It's supposed to be in mourning. Well, then wear a veil over your face while you do it. Can't. Annie Barbara? It's Jackie. Jackie. I'm fine. Fine. I'm fine. I have some bad news. Dad is not with us anymore. I said, Dad has passed away. 
He's passed away. Dad is gone. Dad's dead. He's dead. No, dead. Dad. He's fine. He sends his love. Bye. I am not doing that again. You can't make me. That was the show, Roseanne giving you a few different scenes where they they keep the authenticity, the sincerity, but never forget the jokes. And that's why I love that show. That show has multiple, uh, every, like every episode is very much that. Uh, if, if I had to like break it down into three components that you could boil into a beaker for this show, it's authenticity, sincerity, and smart, smart assness or sarcasm. There we go. Authenticity, sincerity, and uh, sarcasm. Actually, let's go with three S's. Sarcasm, sincerity, and silliness? It's not even silliness. I don't, fucking sarcasm. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. Sarcasm, let's just stick with sarcasm and sincerity. The, those two things are what, what, what I could boil down Roseanne into a, a, a beaker of, uh, of just fantastic comedy. And on top of that, right, I've been waxing about Roseanne being just a, a, a great comedian all around, but she she was complimented by uh, a great cast of people on, on top of that. Uh, the, the show had uh, Roseanne Barr, who was the main character. Uh, John Goodman was her uh, husband, which I think launched his career into the stratosphere, into John Goodman we know today. Uh, and then Laurie Metcalf, who is uh, Sheldon's fucking um, <laughs> Sheldon from Big Bang Theory's mom, and uh, I think Michael Fishman is that his name? Uh, what? No, my, that's not Michael Fishman. One, the main character from Big Bang Theory, uh, Danny or Daniel, I think his name doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck. But he's. Uh, uh, one of the uh, reoccurring characters on Roseanne too. So, a lot of a lot of people's careers that are now in sitcoms nowadays really kind of blossomed through Roseanne and kept going. And she had a lot of goddamn talent on this show for sure. Uh, great actors, great comedians. Uh, again, she had a lot of uh, comedians come through and do um, like little cameos and guest spots, and really tried to help out the community a lot, like Seinfeld did too. Uh, of that time she and I the the reason I wanted to do this episode I went like I said I was going back and watching it and I just don't feel like like Roseanne as a comedian has ever really gotten her due as being one of the top uh, echelon comics ever Uh, really ever I I mean the, the, the conversation Arguably, it's always, you know, Pryor, Carlin, uh, Cos- well, Cosme's kind of out of it now, uh, Rock, Chappelle, uh, Louis, I guess, in it, out of it, I don't know how, maybe we'll have an episode on something like that, but, like, y- you have all of these, but then whenever we start talking, uh, and you go, well, what about female comics, why are they never there? Uh, even when that comes up, right, you go through, uh... Joan Rivers, Whoopi Goldberg, Ellen. What about Roseanne, man? Great. Great comedian. She, I mean, she she's, hasn't stopped doing comedy. She had another uh, stand-up special that came out, uh, I think, five or six years ago. And she had one of the biggest sitcoms ever. Uh, it was ranked number 21 in TV Guide's 100 greatest episodes of all time uh, which was a stash from the past uh, where they were smoking pot but it's like she, she went for 10 seasons I mean it was one of the most popular things of all time hitting I, I, th- I think it was also TV Guides it was ranked number 32 uh, as like the best series of all time I think it should be higher but I mean, you, you get up to those levels of. I mean, when you're when you're even in the conversation of all time greats as far as a ten or nine season show, how the fuck do you not get the respect 
to be shown like yeah one of the greatest and still in there bringing back roseanne now still doing stand-up shows running for fucking political office still saying fuck you to the man she's a she's a goddamn inspiration and yet never gets brought up a comedian i feel who's just been thrown to to the curb and was never really given her due respect as the the innovator and the authentic voice that she was slash is like real badass chicks like i said in comedy are are rare you know joan rivers Whoopi goldberg and even honestly even ellen like i said those four should be the top of a lot of people's list and i don't understand why they're not uh they they all have a go fuck yourself i'm gonna be myself attitude they all bring funny first and they're all talented as shit and they should all get their respect especially roseanne she fucking made leaps and bounds in this business for who she was where she came from hit the stratosphere and is still telling the entire industry to go fuck themselves that should be an, that should be that should be what people strive for, not what people forget. Does that make sense? This should not be something that wisps in the wind, and then a guy in his fucking house has to talk into a microphone just to remind people of it, their greatness, right? This should be something that every comedian should study at one point and give her due respect of like, fuck, I gotta have, fuck if you think she's funny. I get that it's subjective, right? Just the attitude and what she did should be respected of just n not being bullied by this industry and making it, even though she should, there was no, she was a housewife. Let me reiterate this before we get out of here. She was a housewife from Utah who said, fuck it after her marriage, got into comedy, got on Carson, did such a good job that they were throwing a sitcom at her. She was the first, like, comedian of that era of, like, the 80s when they were just, like, throw... Like, she kind of started off the craze that happened in the 90s of, like, oh, if you're a comedian, you do well, we'll throw a sitcom at you. The reason is, it was because of, like, her and Seinfeld. Those were the two people where they were like, oh, my God, it's already written into their act. They can just kind of transpose their act, make it into episodes of their life, and it's a fucking hit. That's where you get Tim Allen and... Uh, home improvement uh it's where you get all uh, fucking ray romano and everybody loves raymond uh kevin james king of queens like you get all of this off the back of roseanne and arguably seinfeld but both of them showed like oh shit this is how you do it and not only that was she just some white trash housewife from utah who ended up doing comedy but there's n she's also not the stereotypical uh, leading lady in any aspect. The, and the reason I mentioned like Joan Rivers and Whoopi Goldberg alongside it with her, and I'll throw Ellen in there because, I mean, the motherfucker came out in the 90s and still made it big. All of these are not stereotypical leading ladies in Hollywood or this business. Uh, Joan Rivers, arguably at the beginning of her career in like the 50s and 60s, uh, even in the 70s, uh, or not 50s, Jesus, how old do I think she is? In the 70s and 80s, uh, you know, was the good-looking lady. But after a while, uh, let's let's all be honest with each other. Uh, she turned into a goddamn tadpole. I don't know what happened. She pulled her face back. But here's the thing. Even though she aged like a melted G.I. Joe physically, uh, comedically, and personality-wise, You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who aged more graceful than she did. That motherfucker stayed who she was, doubled down against not only her audiences, but also uh, the industry and said, fuck you, this is who I am, this is what I do, fuck you, pay me. She was very much a good fella. Whoopi Goldberg, same thing. Whoopi Goldberg, not stereotypically hot chick, right? She wasn't going to be a leading lady, and yet, against all odds, she became that. Ellen DeGeneres, same thing. Hey, I'm a gay lesbian, oh, I guess. And then, boom, leading fucking comedian made her way. And Roseanne, 100% 
on that fucking Mount Rushmore. In fact, should be the goddamn George Washington, as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's up between her and Whoopi Goldberg, just because Whoopi, I mean, she's got an EGOT. But Roseanne, for fuck's sake, she's a, just a, a f- <laughs> overweight, uh, annoying, shrill woman who, again, aged gracefully. Personality-wise and comedically, has only only got better with age, really found herself and carried herself with some poise, panache, and again, some goddamn go-fuck-yourself attitude that was so unapologetic it was charming beyond belief, and still is to this day. Uh, all four of them, uh, to me, are angels, but only Roseanne, uh, to me, in my own personal opinion, uh, gets exalted up to the angel of seraphim. She is a top choir angel in my eyes and will continue to be so and hopefully with this little love letter of an episode there may be some small amount of deserved love that makes its way back towards her and shows her that her accomplishments will will reach not only multiple other people such as yourself but maybe even the heavens just to say thank you for being a hard-nosed, annoying, smart-ass, overweight, opinionated, white trash bitch and never apologizing for a fucking thing that they ever wanted her to. I say, let's all be like Roseanne. Be authentic, say go fuck yourself, and always try to have a laugh. All right? Thank you, everybody. This has been the DTF Podcast. I love you. I love Roseanne. I love comedy. Like always, go out and find your own comedy. This is uh, just a dream that I'm able to uh, talk to you in your ears, still do stand-up comedy, and uh, god damn it, man. Life is pretty good, even when it's not. Uh, Just like Roseanne, come on. Uh, Please keep following and listening. uh, I'm glad that even when I come back, Uh, you guys are still kind of picking up the torch. This is uh, pretty cool. Uh, If you like this episode, tell other people. Uh, It it helps, man. Uh, And if uh, if you guys each tell one person uh, that, you know, maybe those people will tell more people. Um, This is pretty cool that it keeps growing. So thank you very much for listening uh we will be back again follow me on all social medias facebook instagram twitter all at i sam comedy uh and my website isamcomedy.com uh and please contact me on any of those i don't give a shit say thank you tell me go fuck myself give me ideas of what you want me to talk about uh for the next dtf for the next uh just a tad Uh, You guys are amazing. Thank you very much. Keep listening, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.